Paris Musée presents Once Upon a Museum. Use podcasts about the museums of Paris. I am balancing on the sidewalks of Paris, but the space, the silence, and the calm are sparse. So I go in search of a peaceful place, an island of tranquility in the heart of the city. Does it exist? Of course. Today I will explore the house workshop of sculptor Antoine Bordel. When he moved to the capital city, Paris, in the Montparnasse district, he fell under the spell of this house, where I am at the moment, with its stunning flower gardens. There are unexplored corners of wood and more flowers here than I could ever dream of. Let's take a closer look at this house and see if we also find it dreamy. Ah, that's not the countryside, but it sure looks like it. Not a sound, except for the birds that sing and the gravel that rolls under our feet. And I will be your guide. Hello, my voice. Oh, all right. Well, hello. You are currently in the garden of Antoine Bourdel's museum. He lived and worked here about a hundred years ago. There are lots of silhouettes in the middle of the vegetation and under arches too. I'll take a closer look. Mrs? 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 Wow, she is so very stiff. She's not a real human being. It's a bronze sculpture. It was Antoine Bourdel who gave them life. He gave his sculptures a face, a body, a movement, but he did not endow them with speech. They may not have a voice, but they carry a message. Look at what is written. This statue is called Liberty, Liberty and this other is called Strength, Strength and that one, the Victoire, and the last is Eloquence. Bourdel uses symbols to make his sculptures speak. The characters in front of you are allegories. Uh, what? Allegory? Ali who? And who's gory? An allegory is when you use something concrete to talk about something abstract. Uh, what? Well, there, for example, look in front of us. This sculpture, Liberty. How do you represent freedom? Freedom cannot be touched. You cannot draw it like you draw an apple. So, Bordel, what does he do? Well, look, where do you see freedom in sculpture? I guess it, and I feel it in the braids that fly in the wind. Next to it is the image of strength. It has a bludgeon. <coughs> Victory wears a sword, and eloquence, the art of speech, has its mouth wide open. Exactly. And look, there, behind our four friends, there is another statue. Heracles Archer. He's a man with tense muscles, a bow in his hand, and aiming at something in the distance. This man is the hero Hercules. Heracles is his name in Greek. Oh yes, I know him. Hercules, the one who did the twelve labors. Right, like for example capturing Diomedes' mares. Bring back the golden belt of the Queen of the Amazons. Jane Cerberus, the guardian dog of the underworld. Oh, and here it must be his sixth test. Shoot, Shoot down, down the, the birds, birds of Lake Stymphalus with his arrows, since he has a bow. But there is no arrow in his bow. 
Again, it's an image. Hercules has no ammunition. And yet, he gives all his strength and courage to launch his imaginary arrow and kills the birds. Will he succeed? Besides, why go after these birds? There were so many that their flight obscured the day and they also fed on humans. I understand. To accomplish his mission, Heracles received from the goddess Athena large bronze castanets, with which he made a huge uproar. The frightened birds came out of the wood where they were hiding, and Heracles shot them down with his arrows. I love mythology. Bordel too. It is a central theme in his work, using legends known to all. Bordel speaks of courage, perseverance, strength, heroism. Thanks to art, we always see beyond what is shown. That's the magic of art. We find ourselves traveling in time and space, while we are here in Paris in the 15th arrondissement. When he arrived here in the Montparnasse district at the age of 23, Antoine Bordel moved into these workshops with his mother, his father, his aunt, his grandmother, whom he had brought from Montauban in the south of France, where he grew up. He worked hard to support the household. He is a hard-working and very ambitious young man. By the time I turned 30, I must have shown the world what I'm capable of. While waiting for success, he earns his living by sculpting or drawing commissioned portraits, then by becoming the practitioner of Auguste Rodin. But what does that mean, practitioner? It is the one who worked on the piece according to the model created by the master. The master could take over the work to complete it or have it done by a trusted practitioner. And Bourdel had Rodin's trust. Working alongside him, Bourdel learned a lot about the strength of sculpture. And little by little, he found his style. While Rodin analyzes, accentuates the shadows and exaggerates the muscles, Bourdel, on the other hand, simplifies. I'm searching for the sculpture's essence. I'm searching for a universal rhythm. Subsequently, Bourdel also surrounds him with practitioners, with models who come to pose, the artists in the neighboring workshops, and the many students. The job of a sculptor is not a solitary job. Quite naturally, Bourdel becomes a teacher. Museums must teach enthusiasm. In life, you have to share your knowledge. And that is also what art is. Through images, artists tell us things so that we look at the world differently. So we learn to look beyond reality. I dream of a workshop museum in which I could give free lessons to poor and struggling artists. And his dream became a reality since we're right here today. Let's go inside and meet Bordel's sculptures. We're almost at the workshop. It's crazy. It feels as if nothing has moved in the past 150 years. It's as if Bordel was just here working. There's his big wooden table, his tools, his stove, marble, wood and bronze sculptures here and there. Breathe in. We can smell the stone, the sculptures work, and his thoughts staring around. 
Oh, but what is this big funny beast living in the workshop? It's the centaur. You know, the imaginary half-man, half-horse being. Oh, yes. In mythology, I remember the centaur Chiron. He is immortal, and in a battle, he was accidentally wounded by Hercules and was condemned to agonize eternally. But the gods had mercy on him and ended up delivering him from his immortality. In his sculpted masterpiece, The Dying Centaur, Boudel represented the centaur with his head bowed. His hobs riveted to the ground, his torso stretched upwards, leaning on the lyre. A very popular stringed instrument in ancient Greece, the lyre is the instrument of Apollo, the god of music and poetry. Without poetry, without art, music and dreams, what would we be? By the way, can you hear this music? Do you think it's the centaur playing the lyre? Oh no, it sounds more like an orchestra. It's coming from the hallway. Let's go. But who is this person depicted everywhere? In front of us, we can see the sculpted portraits of Beethoven by Bordel. Oh yes, he's the one who composed... Yes, that's him. Bordel looks fascinated by Beethoven. He sculpted him almost 80 times. He really was one of his favorite subjects. Bordel would sculpt Beethoven throughout his whole life. He began to portray him when he was 15 years old and continued until he died. I wanted to create the portrait of the Beethoven I hear and admire with all my soul. Look, look at the size of Beethoven's forehead. His eyes closed his brow furrowed. You can feel the genius at work. It's as if he can represent body and mind. Creation happens in the head. We can't see it with our eyes. Bordel, however, gives us the opportunity to see it. We didn't take a sculpture class today, but we learned to look outside the box. Come on, we'll stay here in the garden. Once upon a museum. At the Bordel Museum, a Paris Musée podcast produced with Pauline Copen, Elsa Denac, with the voices of Juliette Aver, Matthew Luret, Tania Matouk. Did you enjoy it? Discover the other museums through Once Upon a Museum. Upon a museum.